Hello and welcome to the Midlife Manifesto podcast. I'm Leslie Ellis and this is the show where through the stories of my wonderful friends, we celebrate and commiserate, we share the ups and the downs and the challenges and opportunity that midlife brings. Today on the show, we have my gorgeous friend, Mickey Mitchell. Now, Mickey, if I were to describe her, I would say she's uh, mischievous, she's adventurous, and she's got a smile that would light up the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> so, Mickey, hello. Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on my podcast. Your story is just just so interesting and um I've heard it a few times because I'm just so fascinated with it. I ask you about things. Um, but Mick is here to chat about a family, her love, uh, her husband, Chris. Um, so, Mickey, start us off. So, you and Chris, when did you meet? So, we met in 1988 um, at Bradford Adventure Sports Club. You don't look old enough. Actually, no, I don't, do I really? But I am. <laughs> Um, he was a little bit older than me, um, but yeah, the first time I went water skiing, I turned up at the Top Withens Ski Club and there was this gorgeous, blue-eyed, blonde-haired man with his head in the engine of a ski boat because it never worked. <laughs> and I thought, God, he's absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, unbeknown to me, he'd had quite a few girlfriends, so I just thought, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because I really fancy the pants off you. <laughs> Um, so I did, I kept him at arm's length, arm's length for three months and then um, we started going out and started going out properly after about six months and that was it and that was 30 years ago and I have to say he is and always will be the absolute love of my life. Oh Mickey, that's so sweet. I love the fact that for you it was instant. Yeah, definitely. Did, did he say? Did he ever sort of say that? Was it instant for him too? He was a bit obnoxious when I first met him. <laughs> I turned up. I'd got a brand new red XR2 company car, and I turned up with this new wetsuit. And he said to me, um, "So what do you do then? Do you uh, windsurf or do you sail? Or because I'm there with all this all this gear, no idea." <laughs> And I said, no, I don't do anything, actually. So he, he said, well, you know, what are you doing with all this gear and stuff? And I said, I've come to learn how to water ski. So I said, right, OK. And he, he was a bit, yeah, he was, he was just a bit looking down at me. Anyway, within a month, I could water ski better than he could. So, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> but, but the attraction was there, definitely. Yeah. And as the years went on, Actually, our love just grew stronger and stronger and stronger. Sometimes when we first met, I thought, he's a bit of a plonker. Um, <laughs> but but fancied the pants off him. Um, but as we, but, you know, just over the years, our love just got absolutely stronger and stronger. We had to work at it, but yeah, it got stronger and stronger. That's lovely. So, um, so your life together. So he, um, you, you became a couple. Yeah. And you got married? Yeah, we got married in St. Lucia. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, we got married in St. Lucia. I don't know we, why uh, I never thought to ask. I don't think I've seen any wedding pictures. Yeah, no, we, um, I've got I've got uh, six brothers and sisters who all had these fancy pants weddings. And Chris had been married before and, and I wasn't that bothered. So we went out to St. Lucia and had the most idyllic wedding. Um, in the morning we were water skiing. 
um, before the wedding. We got married, and in the afternoon we went on a helicopter ride, so it was just oh, right up my street. It is totally up your <laughs> yeah, street. Yeah. Perfect. Did you go on your own then? No, we went with my best friend and her hus- husband-to-be, Liz and Pete. Right. And they came, and they were maid of honour. And, and it, was th- it was 25 years ago, this, so there weren't many weddings out there then, and it was, like, you know, really unusual, and we met people there, and they all came and dressed up for the day. And it, Yeah, it was fabulous. Absolutely Aww. fabulous. So you you got married, you carried on with your solo adventures, kind of. Yeah, so um, in the Adventure Sports Club, um, there was a lot of us and we were all, it would be snow skiing, scuba diving, sailing, canoeing, mountain biking, anything that that, that we could all do. So this were Bradford Adventure Club, wasn't yeah, it, that you were yeah, part of, yeah. right? Yeah. So a big group of friends and we just all did something. Somebody would say, next week we're horse riding. Right, OK, we'd all go horse riding and I'm organising a ski holiday. and So whatever anybody organised, we just all did. I'd have loved to have been in this uh, club. It was <laughs> ace, absolutely ace. Every week there was something going on. And, uh, and then, uh, obviously, a lot of um, merriment and few beers and, really? and everything else in between. Yeah. You do surprise me, yeah, Mickey. Well, it just had to happen. I mean, I don't know how it did, but it did. <laughs> so you uh, you had your solo adventures, you did all your adventure club stuff, but what happened? Because children came along, didn't they? So obviously that, that can sometimes put a spanner in the works of adventure, sort of an adventurous lifestyle like yours. What what How, how did that happen? What happened? Who did you have? And... So... Um... With the Adventure Club, because we all started to have children, we all decided that we'd disband the club but just do lots of things together with with the kids as they got older. Um, So um, Lewis came along first in 1995. Oh, we love Lewis. He's a good lad, is Lewis. He is. And, yeah, trouble-free, sort of, first couple of years with him. And, well, just after a year, uh, just... When he was about a year old, I found out I was pregnant again. Went to the scan on my own and they said, it's twins. And I was like, oh, my God. Ran Chris up and he was like, oh, my God, it's twins. <laughs> so, because I'm a twin as well. Um, anyway, so it was twins. Um, unfortunately, they were born at 27 weeks. So, they were 13 weeks premature. Okay. Abby was £2.3 <gasps> and Ryan was £2.2. So oh, they were tiny little mites. Teeny tiny. Um, in fact, Abby laid her hand on Chris's thumb and her hand was smaller than his thumbnail. Whoa. So they were absolutely tiny. I'm just looking at I'm looking at my <laughs> thumbnail now. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah, they were they were weeny. And to say it's one step forward and three steps back is just so true. You're just in turmoil day in and day out. And then when they were five weeks old um the amazing doctors at the bri a doctor called chris day told us that unfortunately ryan had got down syndrome and i was absolutely devastated i was devastated for us as a family for for lewis for abby for all of us and i said to chris you know what's gonna happen he's 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 not gonna be able to water ski and chris said (laughs) chris said mickey just stop there if he can't water ski, he can kneeboard. And if he can't kneeboard, he can drive the boat. And if he can't drive the boat, he can be first mate. Whatever happens, he'll be doing what we're doing. So you don't need to worry about that. And the fact that he's only five weeks old, I don't think we really need to be having this conversation right now. 
<laughs> oh, I love him. So it was just fantastic. And all my worries, we just, we went to see some, some kids with Downs and we just thought, yeah, he's going to be fine. But first of all, we had to get them through the prematurity and both of them ran as ragged. They were so poorly. We had to have them christened um, and um, the... Um, the vicar um, came and he wasn't the regular vicar for the special care baby unit and Ryan had a, a drip in his head and he was like putting the water on his head and he's shaking and then me and the me and the, the nurse the vicar was because he oh, was shaking and he was new and me and the nurses because we'd known each other weeks now we all got the giggles and we're all we're all giggling away <laughs> and you know he's a nervous wreck and um so yeah so it was very very traumatic time and unfortunately when Ryan was five months he just he'd struggled he'd had a heart op he'd had sepsis in his arm he'd had he'd had all sorts of stuff and he just got he just got paulier and paulier and they said we, we can't you know there's nothing more we can do for him so me and chris took him in a we had him in a, a room we cuddled him and he passed away at five months so yeah it was heartbreaking but the thing with both of us was is everything that we did we did together and we helped each other get through it and we helped each other get through it mm -hmm. and we couldn't we didn't have time to get you know too wrapped up in that because abby had come home after three months and was very very poorly so you'd so, still got a tiny prim so we'd baby at home who every six weeks got poorly and had to go back in hospital on oxygen and things like that so and up until being three she was on and off poorly and then at, at two and a half she had a, a cerebral fit and I had to give her mouth to mouth resuscitation and she came through on that and then after that she just wow she just sprang into life and we had a, a snow skiing jet skiing and I used to take the photos into the the hospital because I did some um, fundraising for the hospital. And um, I'd take all these photos in of them and they'd say, what's she doing this week? And she'd be climbing and she'd be, you know, kneeboarding or on mount back of mountain bikes, on tagalongs. <laughs> and they were like, I don't know really if Prems are meant to do this. And we said, well, it stopped her being ill, so we're doing everything with her. And look, I mean, she's beautiful, isn't yeah, she? She's absolutely so gorgeous. Yeah, she's, so... she's just amazing. She's at university and she's just amazing. I absolutely know. amazing. I know. I've only met Abby once. Yeah. I've met Lewis a few times. Yeah. We've had a few boozy nights out. Yeah, we have, yeah. <laughs> but I've only... Oh, she's so beautiful. Yeah. It's just... You can't believe looking at her now. What a struggle. What, yeah, yeah. she has had a struggle, but she's a fighter and she's fought through it. Oh, she's like a mum. <laughs> <laughs> she's like a mum. So, um, so you had... You and Chris had this amazing life together with your children. You'd been through all this trauma mm. and trials and tribulations and and grief and um but yet you still had this really happy family oh fantastic life yeah meal times meal times half past six at the table you sit down and you have a meal and you're all talking you all get chance. but you didn't cook it i didn't cook it god no <laughs> no that's another that's another story but i definitely didn't cook it but they're all left home Chris was an amazing cook, and Abby and Lewis, they're all really good cooks. But we would all sit down at the table and then each one of you got a chance to say what you'd done that day and the one that wasn't speaking would be sat in there all excited waiting to say what they wanted to say and stuff. So it was like really nice family time and then just 
weekends were we had a caravan with jet skis and barbecues and parties and um you know the kids were just always doing something if we went out on mountain bikes we were on the jet skis or we were sailing or we were going on skiing holidays or it was just you know every weekend and everything was was just all about being with the kids and doing loads of stuff with them. And it was absolutely fabulous. Did they ever say, Mum, can't we just stay home and watch telly? <laughs> occasionally, occasionally. But we just said no. <laughs> or we'd take them to the caravan and sit them in front of the... in the. They'd say, I'm watching telly this afternoon. And me, me and Chris and would go, go out on the, on the jet skis. <laughs> or then Lewis would go out and say, I've just done a a, a 180 t- um, on, on, on the, jet, on the um, wakeboard. And I'd be like, Chris... Get the jet, get the jet ski out! I've got to go and do this now. I want to go and do one. So it was so competitive; it was just absolutely ridiculous. Ah, I love that! I love that. So in two thousand and nine, Chris got a diagnosis, didn't he? That came as a bit of a shock. Yeah, in two thousand and nine, he went to the dentist, and the dentist said, "I don't like the look of your tonsil. Um, go and see How your." How rude! Uh, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, it could have been saying something else, but. <laughs> Um, so he went to the doctors and the doctor didn't think it would be cancer, but it was. It turned out that he'd got throat cancer, um, cancer of the tonsil. So he had to have his tonsil and all that area removed. All the um, uh, part of his neck, the lymph nodes all in his neck, um, he had to have that all removed. He just told everybody he'd been bitten by a shark. So oh. he got some massive scars all on his neck. Um, he still didn't stop being handsome, though. And um, and yeah, and luckily didn't need chemotherapy or anything like that. And it was a massive shock. We were all heartbroken. But how old were the kids then? Uh, they were about fourteen, fifteen. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a tough. That that's so that was a tough one for them. Yeah, that were a, that were that were a tough one for them. But mm. I mean, within six months, he were back at work and, um, you know, just just getting on with it and. And again, we just picked up where we'd left off and just carried on doing everything. In fact, even more so because we just knew, you know, how quickly things can go massively wrong again. It seemed like every time we got a little bit complacent thinking, well, hey, everything's going great. Some, you know, come from round the corner and bite us on the backside. So, Mm. but yeah, we just started getting back on with everything then. So you, uh, the kids obviously grew up in this amazing environment. They both went to university. Yeah. So there's you and Chris at empty nesters at home. And where, I, where I, I'm crying into my cornflakes every morning. <laughs> you and Chris made plans, didn't you? Yeah, so, um, so we decided to pick back up on some of the sports that we hadn't done for for a lot of years because you know having kids and it being expensive and stuff so we got really back into scuba diving and um and snow skiing again well we'd we'd never stopped doing any of these things but we just wanted to really push them and really do more and um and also we planned for a few years after that to do have a year off both of us and go traveling um, to all the places we hadn't been because we'd been at caravans every weekend mm. um, and do some volunteering and and stuff. So, yeah, we had a, a plan to to go, you know, not round all the world, but to go to a lot of places and uh, and do that. Okay, so, um, so these plans didn't really kind of go as you'd hoped, did they? No, 
Um, we'd just come back from um, a scuba diving trip in on October 2017 and we'd had an amazing week. Um, the diving had been fabulous. And we came back and Chris had said, I've got a bit of a pain in my back and I'm a little bit constipated. And we just thought, you know, one of them things and and, and it'll be fine. But it, it, it didn't go. So in, in the December, he went to the doctors and the doctor says, I think you've got kidney stones. We'll organise a scan and, um, you know, go from there. But I don't think it's anything to be worried about. Don't worry. It's not going to happen over Christmas. Don't worry about it. And we'll, you'll, we'll get you a scan in January. And then in January, we went for a scan, or Chris went for a scan. And when we got the results, the guy said, it's not kidney stones. You've actually got what looks like something in your kidney, um, but we don't know where it's it's come from. So you're going to need another scan. So we were like, well, that's horrendous news. But OK, they can, if he's got kidney cancer, they can get rid of that one kidney and he'll, and he'll still be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went for... Another scan um, and some more uh, uh, scan type things. Um, and then at the beginning of February, we got taken in, in by another consultant who was more to do with bowel and stomach. Um, and he just came to us and just said, I'm really sorry, it's really bad news. And uh, he said, Chris has got stage four bowel cancer that... Um, we can't do anything with his palliative care and um, we'll hopefully be able to give him some chemo but he's not going to be able to we're not going to be able to operate or do do anything along them lines it's you know it's a terminal di- diagnosis and we were absolutely devastated absolutely devastated I can't, you know I mean now just just thinking about them saying them words, it was just so shocking. Mm-hmm. You know, one minute we, we're diving, we you know, and planning his next skiing holiday, and, and the next minute, you know, we're giving this news. And and I just said to Chris, what on earth are we going to do? And he said, we'll sort it out, we'll get through it. We'll, we will be all right, you know. We, together we can, we can tackle anything and we'll get through it. But, yeah, it were a, it were a shocker with that one. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> so, um, so the prognosis was not good. No. Um, so you wanted to tell us about Sue Ryder and what Sue Ryder yeah. did for you. So when did when did Sue Ryder step up? When did they get involved? So pretty much straight away we came home and we were just devastated, crying. We had to tell people. We had to tell the kids. Um, and... Um, we were just like two rabbits in the headlights. We we had no idea. So me, because I'm always get on and do something, I'm like bringing all the hospitals, you need to scan on this and, you know, when's the appointment for this? And when we're seeing the, um, you know, the guy about chemotherapy, the oncologist, and, and I'm like racing around like a lunatic because everything seemed too slow. You know, had we waited too long for the scan? Should they have done that sooner? And... I was running around like a headless chicken. Chris was like, oh, my God, you know, what, what's happening? Um, and then our doctors, uh, our doctor introduced us to Sue Ryder and a lady called um, Joanna from Manorlands came to see us. Mm-hmm. And the first meeting we had, we just sat and cried and she sat and cried a bit and we all just talked a little bit. And and then she came back and she, they were just amazing. 
where they she said look don't you be doing all this organizing you you should be now spending time with Chris this is your time together with the kids to be doing what what you should be doing um things like that let us help um with it we'll put you on this it's i think it's gold star or something where because it's palliative and they you know they know it's it's terminal and everything then you can ring up and they'll help with things and and so it they just help with everything they helped with um finances we looked into finances um we had complimentary therapies chris had complimentary therapies when he was feeling really ropey and sick they helped him out with that pain relief um they booked appointments and um they they were just there and they were just somebody to speak to when when you didn't know what was the next step or yeah. And, you know, we just continually saw them and uh, saw her and and the, the, the complementary therapy girls. They then introduced us to counsellors. So Chris had counselling and I had counselling. Um, and they just made it so much easier and also gave us then time to know what was coming and be able to process everything, but also have time together. Mm, um, which you just money can't buy that can no it? no it was they were absolutely unbelievable so you mentioned to me when we've talked about it before that they also um helped you and the kids um in different ways so like helped you communicate yeah so um so chris was on chemotherapy but he he the cancer just it, it did slow it down but then um fairly quickly it you know it, it it got a lot worse and um we were talking about going away and actually we went away to gozo in the august i remember with you my going. two sisters they because i was a bit nervous about going and one consultant said should you be going on the oncology ward and this other consultant said just bloody go you know, mm. just go. Yeah. Um, and so we did. And we had a fabulous holiday. Me and Chris went out on jet skis and we got a boat out. And he was looking frailer, but we, we did that. And that, that was amazing. And then when we came back, Sue Ryder came, Joanna came up to see us again. And she said, Mickey's, you know, it's it's it, it deteriorated before we went. The mm. holiday, he put on weight and he looked better when he came back from the holiday. But then he started to deteriorate again. And um, she just gave me pointers that I would never have thought of doing. She said, get uh, get Chris on, on, not on video, but record his voice. So um, we I recorded his voice and, and I said to him one day, just record something for the kids. Just so, he, you know, we, we've sent the kids two recordings and one he was talking to Lewis about how proud he was and getting a first in his degree and um, and just chatting away to Lewis. Not very long. Um, and then again, um, one to Abby who'd got a, a boyfriend, Adam, and he was saying, oh, he looks like a catch, and just chatting away to Abby and telling her how proud he was of how she'd managed to get through her degree while all this was going on. Mm. And um, he said to me, I love you, Mrs Mitch, which I've got. Um, this little recording clipping of and for Christmas Abby put that into a little teddy so on my bed I've got a little teddy that when I press its pause it says I love you Mrs oh. Mitch which is which is Chris saying oh, that Mickey. to me <laughs> which is the amount of times I've pressed that bloody teddy's <laughs> paw is amazing so 
so yeah they they made us think about and do things that we really really would never have dreamt of yeah. and yet have been so much help since mm. it, it's been massive it's just wonderful, isn't it? It's yeah. Wonderful. And and am I right in saying that Sue Ryder is completely funded by charity? Yeah, yeah. Completely yeah. funded, it's right, okay. Yeah. So um, Sue Ryder helped Chris die at home, didn't they? Yeah, so again, we then had the conversations about, you know, what was going to happen um, um, when he passed away and where he'd want to be. And Chris said, I, I want to be at home. And I was a nervous wreck. I was like... I don't know if I can cope. Yeah. But, um, so we agreed that he would be at home and that um, um, if he needed to, do it too, he could go into Manorlands um, if it got to a point where he couldn't cope and I, I couldn't cope. Mm-hmm. So the doctors got the palliative nurses in and everything, but and, and Sue Ryder, um, they helped with everything and we, we'd got a bed downstairs and... Um, all the equipment we needed, we'd got doctors, uh, nurses, sorry, nurses coming in and out, and um, we'd got all family there, and um, just it got to a stage where where Joanna said to me, you know, how are you dealing with it? And I said, yeah, I'm dealing all right. And she said, well, it's it is getting past the point now where it, it, we would sort of take him into Manorland. So, and I said, no, no, he's 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 okay, and he's and he's settled at home, and um, he was um. Friends came round and my brother um, Christian came and would sit with him and chat to him about work and let me come out cycling for a, you know a couple of hours and stuff like that. But then he deteriorated more um, and got to a point where we we knew it were going to be sort of fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the the kids both wrote him letters and they couldn't read them to him, but I read them to him and they, they were saying how much of a fantastic dad he'd been and um all the things that we did together as a family and he, he sat there really proud and said you know answered him back and yeah it was a he, he was just so proud of them both and uh yeah that was amazing and then um on the 13th of october he was there with Family all, all, all surrounded him and was all there and um, yeah, he passed away. But it, yes, it's horrible that he died, but in the scheme of things, it was the best death for him. In that he was, we were all there. He was at home. The cat bloody jumped on 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 the on on his bed. You know, just five <laughs> minutes before he died, he was like, oh, "What's the cat doing? Get off!" Um, but yeah, it was. It was just, yeah, so, and they helped him to do that, and for that I will be always eternally grateful. Mm. So, um, but it didn't stop there, did it? No, so um, we carried on with counselling, and I I did, um, it's available to the kids. And that's through Sue Ryder? And that's through Sue Ryder, yeah, Yeah. so I, I was still having counselling then and then um um they said 
you know, we've got ties and clothing of, of Chris's. And they said, if you give us some of the ties, we'll make them into elephants. So they make the most beautiful little elephants that me and the two kids have all got, both got an elephant each, which is all Chris's favourite ties. And then his shirt, some of his favourite shirts and, and sweatshirts or jumpers, they made into cushions for us. So all three of us have got cushions um, of that. And um, up at Sue Rider, I've got two pebbles that they had made for us, which one says Chrissy's name on and the other one says Ryan's name on and they're in their garden up there so I can go up there and, you know, just sit and have a minute there and his his name's in the remembrance book and um, mm. I just go up there sometimes and just have a quiet minute because that's a nicer place for me to go. I don't want to go to the crematorium or, or anything like that because they were just horrendous days. So going up, going up there and having all these these things that they enabled us to have mm. um yeah it's brilliant so um we've you've done some work for sue right i mean we all kind yeah. of did didn't yeah. we <laughs> so last year yeah uh, our cycling club the yeah. queensbury queens of the mountain you organized a like a street party didn't you yeah so we had a street party which was amazing it was fantastic um, um a bit, little bit of booze involved, I think. Uh, just, Maybe just a little bit. bit. Probably ill-advised. Uh, well, yes, because the day after then, <laughs> um, the Queens had got involved in the um, Bronte Sportive, so we were helping um, Manorlands to run that. So we'd got um, everybody there either riding or um, on the cake stalls and, yeah. you know, at the feed stations. We did. And um, what the Bronte Sportive, Sportif now includes is the Chris Mitchell Memorial Hill Climb, which is his, um, which is the climb from Howarth to the top through the cobbles, and um, yeah, I know I did in, it. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> My brother said never again. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we we've got involved in that, and um, my aim is to always help Sue Ryder. Um, I've done a, a a couple of talks to them when they've had sort of balls and and mm. stuff and and for people um just to let them know what sue rider does yeah. um so yeah um it's incredible i mean i i really you know i understand i understand the services of the hospice i understand what the hospice does um I, but i didn't really fully appreciate just just what a life-changing difference yeah. that they make to yeah. families that are going through such horrendous times um so things after Chris's death um you've you've had help and support from yeah, them I, have, but yeah. I know that um even despite all that you really hit rock bottom at one point didn't you oh yeah i mean to be to have the life that we had and the husband that i had it was so difficult sometimes um when he wasn't there and it's it's really weird because my job's a rep, so I'm I'm driving around for a living, and I'd I'd have days where I'd literally just be making this noise in the car, this howling noise, and you think, my God, you know, I sound like an animal, but you're you, it's just so intense, is the pain, and it did get to one point at one stage where I thought. I can't go through, I can't carry on. And do I want to carry on? Do I want to carry on without the love of my life? 
and yeah i hit absolute rock bottom um and and really thought about ending it all um which now just sounds to me so alien because you know i'm i'm in a position now where obviously that would that wouldn't be the case now but at the time yeah i really did and um i went back for more counseling um and i think a couple of days after that i think it was one of the queens that rang me or got me out on a ride and stuff started to 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 pick up again and um but yeah at one stage i really really did think i can't carry on i can't carry on with the, these feelings of grief that you just feel that you're um you know, just, just, it, it feels like you, you're stood at the edge of the sea with the rain beating down on you, the waves coming over you, there's rocks behind you, you can't move, and you just think, I'm drowning, I can't get out of this, I'm absolutely drowning, and there's no way out. And then eventually, the rain settles down and the waves become smaller, and you pop your head up and you think, actually, I can do it, I can do it. And you have so many of them times but each one just gradually gets a little bit easier. And then you'll go and it's easier for a few months. And then in November last year, again, just hit rock bottom again, but not to the degree that I had done before, mm. but knew there was a, a, you know, right, I'm back down here again, but it's all right. I know I can get out of this. Um, and I saw one of the girls at Sue Ride and she said, come back, come back for some more counselling. So I've just been back for some more counselling, which I finished yesterday. And right now feel you know i mean i there were things that i didn't even know i needed sorting out and it's like me saying well, my arm's all right look at my arm it's fine but she could see the knots in there and she delved yeah. in and dug out and and you know just got me thinking about things that i actually didn't even think were an issue and then and obviously there were and so so yeah so um even you know just as recently as as yesterday I'm I'm still going there. So, what does the future look for you like? Look, Kevin. Do you know when I got up this morning, I thought I sounded like um, is it uh, Johnny Vegas? You know, like when you've had a really bad hangover. Like, Hello, monkey. I sounded just like that. Anyway, I do apologise. All right. So, so the future now, Mickey. So the future. Um. Well. Um. What what I promised Chris was that well he made me promise that everything um, we couldn't do together I had to do with friends and family. So last year I bought myself a little motorbike <laughs> because we were going to get little motorbikes each and go up to the lakes and have a coffee and stuff like that. So I got my little motorbike last year and I went diving to the Maldives with my amazing sister and her husband. I'd just like to say my family have been amazing. My all my sisters and brothers and stuff. They just they just drop everything and just come round. Are you okay, Mickey? Yeah, I'm fine. Next minute, Poddy's there on the doorstep with a bottle of prosecco. Aww. I knew you weren't fine actually, and they were they, they've just been brilliant. But yeah, I went away with my sister and her hubby to the Maldives, and um, I always take a little bit of Chris's ashes to places that he would have wanted to go, which the Maldives was a big one. Yeah, and we scattered some of his ashes on a wreck, um, and saw amazing fish there, massive fish. And I'd said to Chris, because um, I always chat to him, I want to see a sign. I want I want to know that you're doing all right. And I don't want to see a little poxy fish jumping out at 
zero. I want a proper sign. And we went on this dive and um, they said, you're going to see some nurse sharks. We want you to hook into the reef because it's it's a, a really strong current. And um, there's all these big three-metre nurse sharks swimming around wow. us, which was amazing. <laughs> and then one came and laid next to me for 10 minutes, <gasps> just really? staring up at me. And I'm staring back down at it and I went, bloody hell, Chris, that's a really big sign. <laughs> <laughs> But then I was sort of crying and laughing all at once. And um, I said, I know you're all right now. Um, so we did that. And then I've been to New York um, for a 50th. And I've scattered some of his ashes off the um, Statue of Liberty. Um, he's got some scattered in um, Val Terenz when we went skiing. At the top, highest part that you can you can go up when you're skiing. He's, right. he's got some scattered there. Um, and at my brother's in France. And then... Um, I'm going with the Queensbury Queens. There's ten of us going next week to Vietnam, and we're cycling over there. I'm not taking his ashes there because he wouldn't have come with us with ten queens. He, did, he wouldn't. Have, so that's not something Probably we would not. have done together. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going there, um, and um, got uh, other trips planned throughout the rest of the year, and and I'm waking up with a smile on my face. Um, which is which is really nice and um a few uh, a few months ago um I met up with a friend who goes to our local pub that me and Chris used to to go to and and, and the kids and um I said I'm a bit girled out you know with all all the girl things I do yeah yeah and and he said well I'm a bit boyed out so shall we have a shall we have a beer so we've been going out for a beer and um that's been really really lovely and we've been to the pictures and we've had a few meals out. And one of the hardest things for, for going on holiday was coming home, just coming home to an empty house yeah. and being alone. But actually, I'm going to Vietnam for two weeks cycling, which I can't wait. I'm, I'm so, so excited ex- about. I'm excited for you too um, and, and slightly envious. <laughs> but also, when I come back, I've got a ball to go to. Um, and so... I. I'm not actually scared about coming home after this holiday, whereas every other one I've been pretty nervous about coming back. So, so yeah, I've you know, um, it's looking all right, and I know that you know in two days, three weeks, ten months, I'm gonna have a massive low, um, and I know these are all always, you you know, gonna happen. But I feel able to cope with them. Mm-hmm. But also, I just love talking about Chris and. Aidy, the chap that I've been seeing, I said, you know, I talk about Chris all the time. He said, yeah, he said, exactly, you should be doing. You know, you you were married for 30 years and everybody could see how much in love you were. And I want to know all the stories when you took the kids skiing and you got caught on your, in a black run in the dark, you know, and, <laughs> and Abby threw her skis at, at, at Chris because she was absolutely furious. And, you know, I want to know all these stories because these stories are all you and the kids and... You know, and and it's they it's are part of it's the fabric part of, of your life exactly. So yeah. I feel really at ease that I can tell our stories and um and yeah, and just enjoy myself. And I just love the queens; they've been amazing. Um, they're such a be- amazing bunch of girls, and I, I just know. love the fact that that we all pick each other up and and help each other out. And I know I was saying this. Tina, Tina's been on. So yeah. Tina's done a podcast yeah. episode, and I was saying to Tina. I've never met a group of women ever like the Queens. Yeah. There's just some, this indescribable magic 
about it and it's women supporting women yeah. and you know no matter what we're there for each other aren't we and you just need to go on on we just need to go on our facebook page and yeah. say help and you've got 10 offers honestly of, you totally do yeah yeah and and just all the different things we get up to the you know this out um the swimming the outdoor swimming um, at the reservoirs and you know oh. what, what, anything or in like, the North Sea. In, in the North Sea, yeah, we did that. Yeah. yeah, that was good. <laughs> we did yeah, that. yeah, we, yeah, we did that. Bloody freezing. It was bloody freezing as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Mickey, thanks so much for telling us your story. I, I just, well, obviously, it's been a hard listen, and I know it's not been easy to tell it. And I'm sure if anybody, if anybody does ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a hard listener as well. Uh, but it's an important story. It's the story of your life and your love and your um, grief and then your rise, mm. I think. Um, so anyway, I always finish my podcast with a fact of the day and I've been saving this one especially for you. <laughs> so the first ever person to ride over Niagara Falls in a wooden barrel was a 43 year old woman was it? yeah Mickey Mitchell <laughs> <laughs> apparently she was a, a high school teacher and did she survive? I don't know. Well, that's worth knowing. I know, I really should have. <laughs> you should have, you should have found that bit out. <laughs> She's probably died doing it. But at least she tried. At least she was a woman. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I thought, that's a Mickey one. That's definitely a Mickey fact. <laughs> so if you go to Niagara, give it a whirl. <laughs> right, I will do. I've been <laughs> if actually. If anybody's going to, you will. Yeah, no. I might not do that, but I am thinking of a long bike ride with Lewis where we're thinking of travelling over Europe and various other places so that's something that i'll let you know how we get on oh yeah well you'll have to do like a you'll have to do a like a blog thing yeah won't you? yeah so we'll, we'll we're looking at that and just one other thing is um just sue Ryder really if anybody wants to support them or do anything that they can towards them because none of us know we never thought we'd be in a position where we needed their help mm. and their support mm. and if anybody's um you know, can help and become a supporter of theirs and have coffee mornings or rides or just do anything. Yeah. I would just say that they're a fantastic group of people and um, they need all the help they can get. It's a really deserving cause. Thank yeah. you so much, Mickey, so much for that. It's been amazing. What I'll do is I'll post some Sue Rider links in the yeah. show notes. So yeah. if anybody wants to Brilliant. donate or step up or volunteer, yeah. then you know you know where to go. Yeah. Once again, thank you, Mickey. Oh, no problem. Thank you.